Hello, you're listening to Search for Truth with your Bible teacher Brian. I'm John, your host. This series is called Show Me the Way. That's the way of Christian discipleship as shown in the New Testament. A disciple means a follower, and we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, who said of himself, I am the way, the truth and the life. The pattern is laid down for us in the way early disciples in New Testament churches of God went about doing things. So let's join Brian now as he looks into the New Testament of our Bible at the way of worship and service. Paul said, according to the way which they call a sect, I serve God. These words are found in Acts 24 and verse 14, and quite obviously they're talking about the way of Christian service and worship. We are saved to serve, and our chief end is to glorify God. If we look in either the Old or New Testament of our Bibles, we find that the public service or public worship of God is closely linked with the subject of God's house on earth. For example, the letter to the Hebrews has a lot to teach us about such worship, and it links us back to the time of Moses, when it says in chapter 3 and verse 5, Moses was faithful in all his, that's God's house, as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. The first place to start would seem to be by clarifying what exactly is meant by God's house. Nowadays, this expression means different things to different people. For example, any place for public worship may be referred to as a house for God or a house of God. So it's important to be clear on the actual Bible meaning. The writer of this Bible letter tells the people for whom this letter was originally intended that they are God's house. In fact, linking himself with the readership, he says, whose house we are. So it's no longer a physical house or building. Whose house we are, he says. And then he adds the condition, if we hold fast. This condition is something he says a lot more about later in this Bible letter, the letter of the Hebrews. There's talk of the danger of falling away. For example, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6. Now, let me say this very carefully. If God's house comprises everyone who's known salvation through faith in Christ, then this falling away means falling away from salvation. For if... To have a place in God's house means receiving Christ's salvation and only that, then falling away from God's house can only mean losing that same salvation. But the Bible does not teach that once saved we can be lost again, as this series has already shown. Therefore, God's house is to be distinguished from the vast company of all those who have known salvation by God's grace through personal faith in Jesus Christ, and is also to be distinguished even from all currently living believers. The Bible deals with the security of our salvation in so many ways as to put beyond the shadow of a doubt the fact that we can never, never be lost again after having believed in Christ for salvation. Salvation, which is from the penalty which our sins deserve. 
which shows us that the defining issue for a place in God's house is not the possession of salvation. For although Hebrews tells us that we can fall away from God's house, yet we can never be dispossessed of our salvation. There's no need whatsoever for us to hold fast to our salvation, for the Lord Jesus himself holds us fast and assures us that no one can snatch us away from him. But regarding what's called God's house, we evidently do need to hold fast, just as they did, to whom the author of Hebrews wrote some 2,000 years ago. All those who've ever at some point come to saving faith in Christ include myriads of believers who are now dead. But God's house at any time does not even include all true living believers, for there is that condition applied if we hold fast. The Hebrews letter was written, as its name implies, to early Jewish Christians, the very first Christians being, of course, Jews. They had left behind the ceremonial law of Moses to embrace Jesus as the Messiah and so to follow the teaching of his apostles. And following the apostles' teaching brought them into the New Testament churches of God. The book of the Acts of the Apostles tells us how this came about. These churches spread outwards from Jerusalem mainly as a result of the various missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. There isn't the slightest evidence that some practiced baptism while others didn't. No indication whatsoever that some churches had elders whereas others had a different form of government. They all served God according to the way, which was then regarded as a sect by mainstream Judaism. So they were a persecuted community then. It's clear from Paul's words earlier that there was a stigma associated with belonging to the way. And some of them, by the time that the letter to the Hebrews came to be written, some of them had come to feel life would be easier outside of the way. They felt life would be simpler again if, as in the old days, they were just going along with the law of Moses, like the majority of folks around them, at least in Israel. To people just like that, to those who were wavering on the brink of leaving the community of churches of God, the writer of the Hebrews letter makes his appeal by the Spirit of God. Don't go back, he says. Don't fall away. To quit their association with the way would not mean the loss of their salvation, but, and this is the main point of the entire letter, they would miss out on everything that was special in serving God together in the biblical community of churches of God. It would be a falling away in terms of their service and from the privileges and responsibilities which attended it. In short, they would lose their place in God's house. They wouldn't lose their salvation, remember, but they'd lose their place in God's house. That clearly defined community of believers, as described in the pages of the New Testament, was where God lived by his Spirit, in a way that answered exactly to earlier eras when the place where God lived on earth, his house, was known as Moses' tabernacle or Solomon's temple. This historical background helps us to understand better what the writer to the Hebrews was saying in those words we quoted earlier from chapter 3 and verse 6, that Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, 
whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Our place in God's house is conditional as theirs was. But conditional on what? What's this hope set before us which we've got to lay hold of? Is it the hope of the Lord's coming? No. Let the writer himself explain what that hope is from chapter 6, where he deals with it again. This hope, he says, we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever. Ah, of course! The Lord Jesus is being presented in the letter to the Hebrews as our priest, as well as our saviour. And connected with that, we can now see that the hope to be grasped is the high priestly hope, which is to do with the revealed fact that Christ, in his ascension after resurrection, did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. In other words, there's a place in heaven, a holy place, now containing the Lord Jesus as our high priest, and this is the sanctuary where the public worship of the people of God takes place. The sure hope of those comprising God's house is one of accessing that same place in worship through the Lord Jesus Christ in his role in heaven for us as high priest. Again, the writer's appeal comes to those whose allegiance to the way was wavering, and this time it's an appeal not to throw away their confidence by shrinking back and forsaking their assembling together. You'll find all that in Hebrews chapter 10. Not to throw away their confidence. What confidence? Wait a minute. Doesn't this take us back again to those words with which we started? Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Yes, there were two parts to the condition, hope, which we've dealt with, and confidence. But in the same chapter, where we're told not to throw away confidence, we have it clearly explained what that confidence is. Verse 19 of chapter 10 says, We have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart. So it's expressing the same idea, the same wonderful revelation about a spiritual entry through public worship into the very place in heaven where Jesus now acts as high priest. This is quite literally the high point of true spiritual worship, and it's biblically defined here in terms of those who would continue in the way, not abandoning its worship gatherings. What's more, the clear implication is that those who fell away from the Apostles' teaching would miss out on any enjoyment of this wonderful spiritual experience in worship in God's house.
Our hymn says, This house for God to dwell in, of ransomed saints is built, who by the great atonement are purged and free from guilt. Well, that's almost all we have time for, but if you want to study further, we have a free transcript booklet for the whole of this seven-part series. So if you'd like a booklet sent or more for group study, please ask for the title, Show Me the Way. And if you're using the post, then this is the address. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 111, Lee, spelt L-E-I-G-H, and the postcode is WN71WJ, England. The email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You might also be interested to look at our website where you can find other programmes and helpful material. You can find it at www.searchfortruth.org.uk. Thank you for being with us today. We do appreciate it. If you can, please join us next week for the final talk in this series. It's called The Way of Righteousness. But till then, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So bye for now and may God richly bless you.